It's time for the Crunch Time Plays podcast, where we talk all things sports from the collegiate level all the way up to the pros. And now, here's your host, Bennett Ganey. Hey, what's up? This is Danny Wexelman. Hey, everyone. I'm Steffi Smalls. What's up, everyone? It's Ben Lindsay. This is Andrea Carter. Hey there, it's Brooks Austin. And you are watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Crunch Time Plays today. Whether you're watching us on YouTube, listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, thanks so much. And we're hitting on Florida today with a guy that we've We've had on before, the guy that, that covers recruiting, covers everything about the Gators and all three major sports. But we're talking about football today because we're wrapping up recruiting. We've got SEC Media Days coming up. And, and just welcome uh, my man Dave Waters back to the program today, host of the Gators Bro- Breakdown Podcast. Get, Dave, what's up, brother? Thanks, man. Thanks for having me again. And, uh, yeah, get uh, summer's almost over with, uh, in, in the football world at least. So uh, getting closer and closer to football season. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that, and I'm just wrapping up, uh, wrapping up what was a busy month uh, for every coach uh, in recruiting, which was in June when the, the open back up after after about the 15 month layoff, and just had had you kind of see Florida and and Dan Mullen and the staff kind of a, kind of attack that month with, with camps and visits, guys they've had on campus, and and what was the the overall uh, vibe around the program uh, from the recruits uh, being able to visit some of them Gainesville for the first time. Yeah, the vibe was a little different. Florida had a lot of big names on campus that first official visit weekend. Uh, I think the question was going to be, you know, do you get them all early? Will that pay off uh, when they go take other visits after that first big visit weekend? Uh, the big target that was on campus early that had not been that was not already committed to Florida, Walter Nolan, uh, defensive lineman there, five star. I think ESPN just updated their rankings today, have him have him the number one player in the country. But he was on uh, campus that first visit weekend, along with a lot of other uh, high profile uh, targets and commits that Florida has uh, uh, already. So, uh, but you know, the vibe was a little different. Um, and then as June went 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 on, they had Shamar James, a linebacker from the state of Alabama, committed to Florida, uh, top 150 player in the country. Uh, he chose Florida over Alabama, so that was a you know a, a rare win over uh, Saban in Alabama there for for, for the Gators uh, there at for a June commit. Julian Humphrey committed late May, uh, the week basically before um, uh, that first visit weekend. So they, they got. Got one before the visits even started there, Julian Humphrey. He's the highest-ranked player in the class for Florida. He's a 132nd-ranked player, I believe, there on 24-7 sports. A cornerback, speedy, speedy cornerback there. I think Florida's going to have to do everything they can to keep up, keep on him uh, and make sure he's committed through through signing day. Uh, but Nick Evers, the quarterback that was committed for Florida, I actually had him on the podcast uh, a couple weeks ago uh, on Gators Breakdown. He was on campus early as well, trying to, trying to get everything together, trying to get everybody together. He's Florida's biggest recruiter. Recruiter um, right now, as far as committed players go, and uh, you know, so, so the vibe was a little different with a lot of big names on campus. Had some big commits uh, late May, early June as well, and we'll see if it pays off. You know, there there is a new vibe, but that doesn't mean that the, the script for recruiting is going to change uh, for Dan Mullen, and all of a sudden, you know, be one of the SEC's top classes. You still got to um, stay after these guys, and we'll see if that new vibe pays off, see if it uh, closes the gap a little bit when you look at recruiting rankings when it comes and you compare yourself to Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Texas A&M. Look, you might be top 10, top 15 in the country, but that still might mean you're only fifth, sixth in the SEC. Uh, so that's kind of the uh, the next hump Dan Mullen has to get over when it comes to recruiting. 
yeah, the the SEC, you know, it's just a just a never ending uh, cycle of recruiting. I always have to stay on these guys because you don't ever know, you know, a guy that, that commits to you in, in June or July, another SEC is going to be on him. Another SEC school is going to be on him in the fall. So you got to make sure uh, you keep these guys committed. But but whenever uh, it's always been a, a fun conversation uh, with some other guys that I've had on here talking about recruiting about, we know when you have that 15 month uh, layoff, when you start you know, not recruiting these guys uh, over Zoom, you get them on campus, get to see how big they are, what they're like in a camp like setting for some of the, the 2023, 24 guys, and even some 2022 guys that, that you had in camp that you maybe wanted to see again. But was there anybody that that stuck out uh, to Florida that, that wasn't on their radar that was maybe in camp or, or on an unofficial that, that really stood out to them? Or was and was there any couple of guys that, that they maybe pumped the brakes on a little bit? You know, they were recruiting them hard uh, during the dead period over Zoom. But when you got them on campus, maybe they weren't as big or, or didn't have the, the athleticism or ability that you thought they would. Were there any a couple of guys in any of those categories? I'd say the one guy to probably look out for somewhat in that category would be running back Terrence Gibbs. He, he was on Florida's campus. He's a running back, high-level four-star, uh, on the verge of a five-star at one time, I believe. Uh, it's been – kind of a foregone conclusion that he'll probably end up a Gator, but I think he's coming off a really bad knee injury from last year. Uh, I think Florida wants to see him work out at their Friday night lights camp. That's actually coming up in late July uh, when the dead period um, kind of recedes again and, and, and guys can start getting back on campus. Gibbs a running back there. He's going to be on campus. I think Florida wants to see him work out one more time, test that knee to see how far it's come along. And, um, and see if you know he can end up in the class and be a player that can count it on. Florida's going to take more than one running back anyway, uh, and I think you know. So I think that opens the door for taking a chance on Gibb and taking a chance on that injury. Florida's done that before. Dan Mullen's done that before, uh, and it's paid off there with some injured players in high school and end up you know getting them in a class anyway and taking a chance on them. But running back Terrence Gibbs is the one guy I think to watch out for there as far as that regard. And like I said, quarterback commit Nick Evers was on campus. That first full weekend of June, the first full official visit weekend, it's the first time he had visited the staff in person, got to see the staff in person, and he threw for the staff uh, in person as well. Uh, so, you know, Florida just basically solidifying <laughs> what they thought they were getting in in Evers, and then he goes on and goes to the Elite 11, and uh, Sports Illustrated had him as the third-ranked overall quarterback there at the Elite 11. So, you know, Florida and Dan Mullins looking at different styles of quarterbacks. You got Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson, probably two quarterbacks that are in that traditional mold of uh, what we think of a quote-unquote Dan Mullins quarterback is, but Mullins also recruiting more drop-back more known for their arm talent quarterbacks uh, like in the Kyle Trask mold. And so we've seen that with Nick Evers and Carlos Del Rio and Jalen Kitna, you know, dating back to this class and the last class. So you can tell, you know, Dan Mullen probably got a taste of uh, what he could do with a quarterback like Kyle Trask and the arm talent there. And he's going to mix his quarterback room with both styles of quarterbacks. So, uh, you know, he can be pretty versatile when it comes to building an offense. And it really going to start with Nick Evers, a quarterback commit, uh, who's really just shooting up the boards right now throughout the summer. That's definitely true. You know, I was, I was watching the the I was watching a few of the the clips of the Elite Eleven, just just watching some of the different quarterbacks. And Nick Evers is definitely a guy that that really impressed me. A guy that that kind of remind, like you said, it kind of reminds you of that that Kyle Trask mold. Damn, Owen definitely uh, knows what it's like now to to have a quarterback uh, like a Kyle Trask, and and Nick Evers certainly fits that mold along with along with some of the other guys. And and then you not only is he recruiting those guys, like you said, he's recruiting. 
you know, guys like like have the skill set of a of a Emory Jones, a Dak Prescott, a guy guys that he's uh, worked with uh, in the past. But we kind of looking at, at the offensive players that that all the, that Florida's got recruited uh, right now. If you got a uh, got the four star tackle Tony Livingston, he's in Florida. But of course, you already mentioned Nick Evers, a guy that's really taken on the role as the lead recruiter. You have have Isaiah Bond. I know he's solicited as an athlete. I think he's probably. I'll be interested to hear what you think about him. I think he's probably more of a receiver type. And then Chandler Smith, you know, you had Shamar James. I commit that the same day as, as Chandler Smith, two big commits uh, there for Florida, wide receiver on the offensive side of the ball. And then and C.J. Hawkins, a guy that, that's, that's really big, 6'7". I think he's 220, 220 pounds now. But but what do you see from the the offensive class uh, so far? What are the strengths of the class? and and sort of uh, what do you like about some of the other prospects outside of Nick Evers? Yeah, Bond and Smith, speed, speed, speed. Florida is getting a lot of speed right there at wide receiver position with Bond uh, and, and Smith. Yeah, you go follow, follow those guys on social medias. And I, and I forget the exact numbers of what they've posted in the 100 meter and all that, but I, I know it's fast. And they're the, the, the fastest players in the country there. And that's, some, that, that's something that I have noticed with this class is Florida's recruiting a lot of speed. But you know, as I go back and, and look at uh, – the defense too. Julian Humphrey add him to that category with Isaiah Bond and Smith. But yes, Bond and Smith, two wide receivers that are going to bring a whole lot of speed and need to test this verticality. Of we talked about the quarterbacks and maybe testing the ball and having more arm talent quarterbacks. Well, you get speedy receivers that can spread a defense vertically with with Bond and Smith, and you got uh, you know a, a different style of offense of just, you know, pushing the ball down the field when you combine arm talent and a whole lot of speed uh, at the wide receiver position. And then uh, you mentioned the tight end there, CJ Hawkins, not a lot of experience there at tight end. We've got the the body size uh, there, what, six seven two twenty. 220. Um, some people, you know, maybe might end up an offensive lineman, and, but right now uh, a tight end and, you know, going to see a, a big mismatch there if he can stay in that 6'7", 220 range and not necessarily add a whole lot of weight to where he grows out of that position. Uh, but I think that's something Florida's looking at, keep him at that tight end role, uh, big-bodied, uh, being able to take advantage of a whole lot of athleticism at that size. So speed and then pretty much mismatch. It's size and speed together with somebody like CJ Hawkins there at tight end. So I think the uh I think you can kind of see where Dan Mullen, as I said, just not only just the quarterback room, but looking at the skill players as well and just being able to build a versatile offense, no matter what type of quarterback you have, he's going to have speedy receivers. He's going to have uh you know playmakers there that can uh, adjust to either style quarterback. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. Definitely kind of building off building off of last year's season, guys that had that had so much speed and and a guy like uh, Kyle Pitts, of course, not labeling as C.J. Hawkins as, right. as Kyle Pitts right now, but he certainly uh, got the got the height. He certainly got a guy that's going to be a tremendous uh, mismatch in the slot, either in line or in the slot, playing tight end. I did want to ask you though about um about a guy that that just released his top five. Florida wasn't in it, but it, Jaleel Skinner was a guy that that I thought our Florida was was high on, but there was some confusion on on whether he was he wants to play tight end or wide receiver uh, in college. Maybe just didn't fit into the class as a wide receiver. Uh, so what do you, what did you think about uh, that? I know he recently released his top five, but but Florida didn't make the cut there. But but was that kind of a situation there where where maybe there was some some miscommunication about where exactly he wanted to play in college? Um, maybe not, maybe not miscommunication on his part. He, uh, from what I could gather, he made it pretty clear. He wants to be more of a wide receiver than a tight end. Um, 
you know, maybe Florida should have sold him on, you know, better should have sold him better on like, look how we use Kyle Pitts. Yes, he was a tight end, but he lined up outside as a wide receiver as well. Uh, it, it, maybe if it's just about a label, um, you know, you, you, you hope communication could be a, whole, a, a little bit better. But if he just wants to play pure wide receiver, Florida has pure wide receivers, you know, that they are recruiting that they just have higher on the board. And you can't blame them for that. If you want true wide receivers, and you and you labeled this guy as a slasher, a tight end slash wide receiver. But if he wants to play wide receiver, well, you know, sorry, we have other pure wide receivers that we have higher on the board right now. Jaden Gibson, uh, Evan Stewart, you know, two wide receivers that come to mind that are, are pure wide receivers, four star, high level wide receivers. And if you want to play wide receiver, you're not going to play wide receiver over those guys. So, you know, we'll we'll see where it ends up. It was kind of surprising, you know, it ends up. Um, naming Florida his leader at one point. I'm sure the communication was there at that point of playing tight end and, and being used like Kyle Pitts. I think he did say in an interview a couple months ago he didn't really want to be in Kyle Pitts' shadow, didn't want to be compared to Kyle Pitts. And you know maybe that is a whole lot of pressure there. But uh, you know, I think you can look at it both ways. It's maybe the catch-22. Uh, if you're looking at it from an outside perspective, you could say you know, for the Florida staff, you get him on campus no matter no matter the reason, no matter how, and then you figure out the position later on, or you just straight up with him to begin with, and you say, hey, we want you as a tight end. We're going to use you like we did Kyle Pitts. You're not going to be used as a wide receiver. Uh, and, and in that way, maybe Florida was just you know, truthful. It may hurt him in the end. Uh, and he goes on to list a top five that doesn't include Florida. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Well, you definitely always always want to be honest with these guys, telling them exactly you know where they're, where they're fitting in. And you're, and you're right, Florida definitely has – uh, some some really talented uh, true wide receivers uh, outside of of Jalen Skinner that they have uh, on the board. You talk about Jaden Gibson or Evan Stewart, guys that that I, that I'm definitely be excited about getting. Uh, Gator fans definitely, if you can get them, definitely guys that you need to be excited about. But but kind of looking defensively before we kind of get into some of the the targets that are still out there offensively and defensively. But but what do you think about the the defensive class so far? And a defense has been a, a contentious point around the around the Gator program, especially last year leading into this year. But but you got Shamar James that we've hit on a guy that that's that's really solid, uh, really solid linebacker. You got Julian Humphrey, a guy that you said was was really fast, a guy that can make some plays. Definitely is a great great cover corner. You got uh, Francois uh, Knowlton, the defensive lineman. Then you got uh, Jamarian Burt, the athlete uh, there from Florida as well that, that's probably going to be playing defense. What do you think about the, the defensive class so far? Yeah, we hit on a couple of those guys. Knowlton, you know, we'll see defensive lineman, you know, maybe defensive end. Mike could play that outside rush buck end uh, when he gets on campus. We'll see how that works out. But probably more of that, you know, hand in the dirt defensive end uh, there for Florida. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where, where that goes. Jamarian Burt was kind of a surprise uh, this early, uh, a surprise take this early when you do have uh, a, some targets there uh, at, at defensive back. You know, Elijah Blades, of course, he'll be a transfer, so he won't really – factor into this next class. But Elijah Blades, a Texas A&M transfer, Florida will probably get him on campus in a couple weeks. Uh, they're leading, and he'll be an instant in, instant impact transfer for that defensive backfield uh, there. But uh, it was interesting that you took, um, you know, uh, another DB this early in the class when Azariah Thomas is still sitting out there, Kamari Wilson uh, still sitting out there for Florida and some bigger-time prospects. But, you know, Florida – 
they're trying to make up for a couple of transfers that transferred out in the defensive backfield. So uh, that's one reason I think Elijah Blades comes along uh, pretty soon. Uh, the transfer from Texas A&M, he'll be be able to impact this 2021 season. Uh, but Florida is also with those transfers. They got to get the numbers back up in the defensive backfield. So um, was a little surprised that they did take a, a commitment from Burt so early in, in the process. Somebody you probably could snag later on if you needed, if you still had the space uh, to add another defensive back. But you know, maybe they're bored there. Uh, they, they still feel good about some of those guys that they can bring into the fold, uh, and it will kind of just work itself out there. But it probably could have waited just a little bit before taking uh, a commitment from Burt. But uh, not to take much away from him, it's just I know there's higher targets on, on Florida's board, and we'll see where it shakes out. Whenever, whenever we're talking about uh, guys that, that, that possibly are, are going to commit uh, next to Florida, guys that they're really uh, targeting right now, guys that they definitely want to – want to get back on campus uh, in, in late July as we get into the next couple weeks, guys that they're really going to be looking at in the fall. Offensively, you know, we talk, kind of hit on uh, Jaden Gibson and Evan Stewart. Jaden Gibson definitely really showed out at the, the, Elite, Ele- or, yeah, the Elite 11 camp, the opening, and he he wanted to be able to, to kind of – he's been talking to some guys. I know he went up uh, Georgia's board uh, quite a bit. Georgia uh, extended an offer uh, for him after his performance there. You know, he's a guy that Florida's really high on. Evan Stewart is another guy at the receiver position. And then defensively, you mentioned Kamari Wilson, number one uh, safety in the country that has Florida in in his top schools. And, and Walter Nolan as well, the, the five-star defensive lineman that was on campus, took an unofficial there the first week of June that you hit on. He's a guy that is one of the top players in the country as well. So who are – who who would you say could be uh, next to commit, and then uh, and then possibly guys that, that Florida may have to wait until the fall uh, to to hear from that they could be targeting. Yeah, we'll have to see. I think Nolan is the the top target. Uh, I know he his father Walter Nolan Senior uh, recently did an interview with uh, SI. Uh, there and talking about his top five and you know saying you know Florida's right up there. Dan Mullen's a, a big reason uh, why Florida is up there. Visit he's been on campus twice. Florida's trying to get him on campus again at the end of July for Friday Night Lights. And uh, you know I think if he had to pick today, while we sit here in mid July, I think Florida would be the pick. Uh, but you got to keep on, keep on, keeping on. Uh, you know Florida's had a, a, a tough go at it, consistently getting top players in the country. And Walter Nolan there on the defensive line. Uh, is definitely a, a huge target, probably the number one target on the board right now uh, at, at, at that defensive line position. So uh, Florida's got to just got to keep after him. Uh, and as I mentioned, Evan Stewart, he's a wide receiver from Texas. He has a connection uh, to get to get his quarterback commit. Uh, Nick Evers there. They've played on some played in some seven on seven together there in Texas. So hopefully Evers can keep on pulling him, pushing him to to maybe uh, eventually commit to Florida uh, there. And uh, I'll bring up another running back, Jalen Glover. Uh, there's another running back. I think Florida is heavy, pretty heavy on uh, right now at, at that running back position. I mentioned they're going to probably bring two in this class. Uh, I talked about Terrence Gibbs earlier, but Jalen Glover is another um, running back. Florida's heavy in on, heavy target, uh, probably on commit watch at some point as well. I think when it's all said and done. And Kamari Wilson is an interesting story there. Um, I think uh, was probably very close to committing to Florida over a year ago. Uh, I think Florida's been 
a school, a preferred school of choice. Uh, but Florida didn't push all that hard. Uh, I think Georgia eventually took the lead. And now I think with Wesley McGriff coming in from Auburn, he's really pushed Kamari Wilson pretty hard. He's re-recruited uh, for Florida Kamari Wilson. He liked what Kamari Wilson brings to the table. Uh, and I think uh, right now that's probably a 50-50 battle between Florida and Georgia right now when you look at Kamari Wilson. So still, still some big targets on the board for Florida to you know shoot up these recruiting rankings when it's all said and done. Uh, but to me, this class is going to be built on can you get Evan Stewart can you get Walter Nolan for however good Florida's class is going to be? To me, it's going to start with those two guys. I think Florida's probably falling a little bit for offensive tackle Tyler Booker from IMG. Florida was sitting in good shape in early June, uh, but visits started happening. I think uh, Alabama will probably be the pick right now, if I had to say. I think it's close to a 50-50 battle right now, but I think I'd pick Alabama if he had to pick today. So Florida's got their work cut out for him. They want to get Booker, but to me – where I think where I'm going to judge this class is because I, I like where Florida's sitting right now with Nolan. I like where Florida's sitting with Evan Stewart. Bring those two guys in, and I think you can you can build a pretty good class off of that. Is is Jaden Gibson a guy that that's kind of a 50-50 between between Florida and Georgia right now that you're here? I know he, I know Florida was was really high on him. I know he's really high on Florida. He also visited you know South Carolina here. That but when you're talking about uh, he recently got offered by Georgia after his performance uh, at the camp. He's, you know, he kind of moved up to the top of Georgia's board. Is is he a guy that is kind of 50-50 right now, maybe Florida and Georgia at this point? I'd probably, if, if I had to weigh it, I'd probably go 60-40 Florida, uh, uh, maybe 55-45 Florida. I think it is that close between Florida and Georgia uh, right now. Uh, things can change, of course, and he can end up you know, signing with Georgia, and it would be no surprise. Uh, to me at least. But I'd say right now Florida's got a slim lead over Georgia. Uh, but I do think that that Georgia offer did make him uh, uh, did make him uh, rethink of things, a little, rethink things a little bit. Right after that offer, I know he put a top schools list out and it's really right on the heels of that Georgia offer and Georgia made his list. So that lets you know he already had a whole lot of interest in Georgia when just an offer already made Georgia, you know, Georgia a top school in his list. So uh, I think Florida sits really good right now in, in that. And, you know, Florida can really, really shore up. Well, I won't say shore up, but, uh, you know, they've they've lost a lot of wide receiver numbers the last couple of years uh, to the NFL draft and sent a lot of guys to the NFL. But the guys they already have committed and then adding Gibson and, and, and or Stewart uh, and then with a quarterback like Nick Evers, I mean, Florida's offense would be uh, pretty potent if you can add that all that uh, offensive – uh, fire firepower in this recruiting class. Yeah, that, that would certainly be a, a certainly be a great class, and and kind of uh, I did want to ask you. About, I know you kind of mentioned him already, but but Jalen Glover's a guy that it, we've heard about a lot uh, here uh, as related to to South Carolina. But I know Florida and and Florida State are kind of big uh, with him now and then. But he's kind of looking at, at Jalen Glover. Is he? How, where would you say he's kind of ranked on on the Florida board? Uh, right now with a running back a position of his his teammate uh, Sam McCall there from from Lake Gibson he he's committed to Florida State right now is is the hope uh, possible I don't know how how Sam McCall is rated on on the Florida board right now but but could you possibly uh, see a, a package deal there for for Glover and maybe get a flip from Sam McCall I don't think so. McCall was committed to Florida at one point, uh, and then when all the coaching changes happened for the defensive backfield, decommitted from Florida and committed to Florida State not long after that. Um, right now, I think Glover, uh, I th- 
and even recent crystal balls from 24-7 kind of kind of confirmed this too, that Florida's the, the school looking good right now. A lot of recent crystal balls going Florida's way as well for Glover uh, to be the to, to be a second running back in Florida's class uh, right now. He's 5'7", 195. He's a three-star uh, there. You know, Florida's five deep at running back right now uh, for this 2021 season. They could lose up to three of those guys uh, after this season. So Florida's really got to shore up uh, the running back depth. And that's one reason they're taking two this class. And like I said, you got Gibbs uh, on board. High level four star. We'll see if you know he can pass the, the knee test. Florida's probably going to put him through uh, in, in these next couple of weeks at Friday Night Lights, and then bringing in a second back like Glover. Um, I, I think so. Um, still worth watching FSU. I think uh, because of McCall as well, and then FSU was thought to be the leader for up until about a week ago, as I said, until some recent crystal balls started flying in uh, towards Florida. So definitely one uh, worth watching there. And you know, Florida doesn't get him. We'll see where they could go uh, for their second running back there. Uh, but uh, right now, I say those are the two uh, looking out for Florida. Awesome. So one of the uh, one of the kind of the topics that that I've kind of been thinking about and asked a couple people is the is how the transfer portal is going to relate to the to the initial counters. The transfer portal is obviously really big right now. A lot of there's a lot of guys still in it that, that are looking for looking for homes. But but in terms of, of initial counters, how many uh, do you think Florida will end up uh, saving uh, for uh, the transfer portal out of the the 25 spots? And and is there anybody uh, right now that 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 they're maybe looking at uh, for there? But but how many how many spot? And it probably is probably tough to tell right now. Maybe maybe one or two spots. Uh, that they're looking to save uh, in the initial counters for for some transfer portal guys. Yeah, I don't know if I could put an exact number on it, but Florida Florida's been active in the transfer portal ever since Dan Mullen's been here, and he's gotten some big names: Van Jefferson, Trevon Grimes, Jonathan Grenard, guys who have been heavy heavy contributors to Florida. Of course, with the success he's had there in the transfer portal, I mean, two for this class uh, coming up for this season, Antonio Valentino from Penn State, Daquan Newkirk from Auburn. So Florida's been very active in the transfer portal. That's not going to stop. So, yeah, I say three, four spots probably just because of how Florida's how active Florida has been in the last few years. And in, in that, like I said, Elijah Blades is going to be one more transfer, probably coming over from Texas A&M in the next couple of weeks. He's got to finish some classes up uh, to, to transfer to Florida. So he'll be another transfer that Florida will be relying on. So, I mean, Florida's going to be relying on three transfers just for this coming up season uh, on, on defense. Defensive tackle with Newkirk and, and Valentino and Blades. I don't know if he'll start or not, but he's, he's going to be heavy in that rotation in the defensive backfield for Florida. So history says – there's going to be some spots. There's going to be a few spots Florida is going to keep for the transfer portal. Yeah, that's definitely true. I know, you know, kind of it's kind of fluctuating, fluctuating from from school to school. But but can, like you said, considering how active Dan Mullen has been uh, in the transfer portal the last couple of years, definitely would think uh, they would want to save a, a few spots. But we're here with Dave Waters, host of the Gators Breakdown podcast. And Dave, in the final a couple minutes here, I did want to kind of get into to a couple of keys uh, for the season. Got or what we're going to be hearing uh, next week from, from SEC media days. I know you're going to be there or covering what, you know, what Dan Mullen's got to say and, and different things like that. And, and offensively, you know, we've kind of, we've kind of, kind of talked about it uh, the last time, but, but Emory Jones kind of in the possibly a, a little bit of battle uh, in camp with Anthony Richardson uh, to be the starting quarterback is, is Emory Jones a, a foregone conclusion uh, at this point, to, to be the starter, do you think Anthony Richardson could could come in in camp and and push him a little bit for maybe that spot? 
there might be some sort of push. Emory Jones is going to be the quarterback uh, for for Florida in twenty twenty one. At least you know, at least getting the first chances to to be quarterback. He's he's the experienced guy, uh, and you know, I think you know you got to feel pretty comfortable about what Dan Mullen can do with quarterback. So uh, in order for Anthony Richardson to be the guy, he is just going to have to be head and shoulders above Emory Jones, uh, given the experience Emory Jones has had the last three years in, in learning under Felipe Franks, Kyle Trask, and Dan Mullen, Brian Johnson, and now new quarterback coach Garrett McGee as well uh, there. So uh, Emory Jones is going to be the guy unless he just somehow falls, you know, unexpectedly on his face at, at some point or, Anthony Richardson is just that special. And I'm not sure I see him. I, eventually, I think he can be that special. I don't know if he'll be that special in 2021. Uh, so Emory Jones will go be the quarterback. I think, you know, the Florida offense will be – Florida offense will be fine. Um, what's the ceiling? That That's the biggest question. I don't know what the ceiling can be. They're going to be good. They're going to be fine. Um, how much do you have to make up for if the defense does not take a step forward uh, in, in 2021? Defense doesn't take a step forward – in uh, the offense is just good and not elite like it was last year. What does that equate to? What kind of record does that equate to? The, the schedule does get a little easier. Yes, you do play Alabama. Yes, you play Georgia. And those are two top five teams. Besides that, the schedule is pretty manageable for Florida. You know, you don't you're not playing a whole lot of elite quarterbacks um, uh, out there in the SEC. There's a whole lot of SEC quarterback questions this year uh, there. So. Um, the, the schedule does ease up overall. Yeah, it gets harder on the top end, but overall the schedule is pretty manageable for Florida. So if the defense doesn't improve and the offense is just good, we'll have to see, we'll have to see what that means for Florida. And I, I'm not sure that means a quarterback change just to you know, get ready for 2022 or maybe try and take another step uh, with Anthony Richardson. I think Emory Jones will be the quarterback. I think he'll play pretty well for Florida. The ceiling for the offense is kind of questionable. We'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. And the ceiling overall for the team will be what does the defense do? Whenever we're, talk, we're talking about offensively, uh, schematically for Florida and how it, how it's kind of changing uh, from last year uh, to this year, and uh, you know Florida last year was was spread it out, spread it out those those really high high speed wide receivers get Kyle Pitts uh, involved as much as possible. But you know this year we get probably going to see a a little bit more multiple, especially with the quite with the stable of running backs Florida has now. Added to Marcus Bowman, of course, from the transfer portal. Emory Jones, of course, is a very capable uh, running quarterback. Still have a shorter and Copeland there on the outside, but we're gonna, probably going to see a, maybe a little bit more multiple like Dan Mullen ran uh, Mississippi State with with Dak Prescott. I think a hybrid of uh, what we saw with Dak Prescott and maybe a Felipe Franks uh, at Florida. You know, Florida threw the ball a little bit more uh, there. You know, if it could be a exact replica of a Dak Prescott offense you, you take that and he was a he was a good quarterback running and throwing that's what if you that that's what you want this offense to look like uh with, with Emory Jones uh he's probably a little bit faster runner than a little more slippery runner than a Prescott and a Prescott could overpower you he could run over you if he wanted to but that big body Emory Jones is not going to run over you too many times uh there's a little more of a slippery style uh of uh, of a runner especially from that quarterback position but as you said Florida's so deep at running back We'll see what we get from the offensive line. Can they create more big plays? Can they open lanes for these running backs? I mean, everybody in the stadium knew when Emory Jones coming to the uh, in the ball game last year that more than likely Florida was going to run the ball. Uh, and defenses knew that. Everybody in the stadium knew it. Emory Jones, even with the, a subpar offensive line, still averaged almost seven yards a carry. So he elevates the offensive line play. 
Can these running backs do the same? Can these running backs, the five-star transfers, Lorenzo Lingard and Demarcus Bowman, can they also elevate the play of an offensive line? Does shifting back to an offense like this help this offensive line? And John Hevesy, the offensive line coach, this is what he's recruited for and developed for. Does it, does, does this shift back to a Prescott, Fitzgerald, Frank-style offense help this offensive line? I think it does. Like I said, the ceiling is still the question there. Uh, but I think if going five deep at running back with three guys who played a whole lot last year and in previous years with the, and Lorenzo Lingard, DeBarcus Bowman, uh, Florida's going to be relying on, on some running backs. We may see some two running back sets. We may see a running back shift from the backfield to a slot receiver like Malik Davis. The running backs are going to be on the field a lot. Dan Mullen's going to get creative with those running backs. Uh, and uh, I can't wait to see what he comes up with, uh, with a shift in offense with a running style quarterback and a, and a running back room so deep. Hey, Dan Mullen's certainly, certainly the guy that, that you want uh, being creative, especially with all those all those running backs on the field, getting getting creative uh, with, with motions and, and different different packages and formations. Definitely one of the He's the, one of the great offensive minds uh, in this game. But but just kind of switching over to defense, kind of what's going to be – what do you think the the questions that, that Dan Mullen's going to be asked uh, specifically uh, maybe at media days about uh, the defense and Ty Grantham uh, as a whole uh, coming up here? And and what do you think uh, – who are a couple of, of players that they got that people really need to be watching out for Florida defensively? You know, everybody wants to know uh, how big of a jump uh, can they make uh, from last year and and what the the expectations are there on the defensive side of the ball. You know, the expectations are definitely rebound. Um, w- what does that rebound mean? Uh, of course, you know, you can – 2018, 2019 were okay years for, for the Florida defense. They had to get better in SEC play. Got to get better in SEC play uh, there. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what that means. You know, Florida's going to be the only school at SEC media days that are carrying players from the same side of the ball. Uh, every other team is bringing one offense, one defense. Florida's bringing two defensive players, uh, Zachary Carter and Ventrell Miller. So they're going to be peppered with questions of, you know, how do you rebound after last year? And I think what we can ask, you know, the players and, and, and Mullen, you know, was there – did you notice any change from Todd Grantham from last year to this year when you hit, when you hit spring ball? What changed? And, of course, you're not going to give away any schematic advantage, but was there anything you could tell that changed? Was, it, was the approach different? from Todd Grantham and, and this new defensive uh, backfield coaching staff of Wesley McGriff and Jules Montanari. There's some change back there. Uh, can, can they find another cornerback to go opposite Kyrie Elam? Uh, he's going to be an all-SEC pick when we get to SEC media days. Uh, but what do you do opposite of him? Is it Jaden Hill who played a lot last year? Is it Elijah Blaze who's going to be coming in more than likely in a couple weeks? That's one big question. These transfers, I talked about at defensive tackle. You know, What impact do they make? to help Gervin Dexter, the five-star that played a whole lot last year uh, for Florida as a true freshman. You know, Florida's going to be pretty deep at defensive tackle now with those two transfers. So uh, that helps a player like Zachary Carter play in his more natural defensive end position. He doesn't have to slide inside now. And when he slid inside, Brenton Cox would have to play defensive end a little bit. He's not going to have to do that. He can now play that rush buck that's going to be you know tasked with getting to the quarterback a whole lot. So, you know, now playing up front in the more natural positions, those defensive tackles helping those linebackers out. I think Florida's potential up front is pretty good. I still think the big question is you made some coaching changes back there on the back end. You're going to have some new faces there on the back end. What's the growth on the back end? Maybe this defensive front helps and it dominates so much it helps that defensive back end. Yeah, that, that's really the, the key for me because when you look at, at Florida's defensive line, it's obviously ultra-talented and whenever you can get – 
whenever you can get pressure on the quarterback, it's definitely gonna gonna help out that back end, especially in those first uh, few games when you're trying to still trying to work out some things with some, some new assistants on that side of the ball. But but then the final question that I have for you, I know a lot of people are gonna be interested uh, next week to to find out you know where Florida uh, kind of stacks up in the East. I know most people have them still there at number two uh, behind Georgia. But when you look at kind of the rest of the East, when you look at Kentucky, Missouri, Kentucky's obviously known for their defense under Mark Stoops, but they have a new offensive coordinator now in Liam Cohen, the guy that, that's, that's going to try to open it up a little bit. It's not going to be the, the Eddie Grant offense that we've seen the last few years. Still, still working out a probably a quarterback battle at Kentucky between uh, Bo Allen and and Joey Gatewood's still there, but and Will Levis is the guy that's going to come in for for Kentucky and compete for that job. And and then Missouri, you got Connor Bazelite back. The only questions for them are are the defensive side of the ball. You lost a lot of guys to the transfer portal. Nick Mort, Nick Bolton's gone at linebacker was really the the key for that defense last year. But but when you're kind of looking at Florida and how they stack up with the rest of the East, uh, are they still uh, number two uh, behind Georgia? Do you think at this point? Yeah, I think so. You know, Georgia's going to be the runaway pick uh, when we get the SEC media days and we put our votes in uh, for an order of finish. I mean, you know, this is supposed to be Georgia's year, you know, and we'll see if the quarterback play, if they, if, if the offense and quarterback play catch up with you know what we've seen from LSU and Georgia or Alabama and Florida the last couple of years. You know, does quarterback play elevate them enough for JT Daniels uh, to be a college football playoff contender? That, that's the question for Georgia. You know, it's not. It's not already going to win the SEC East. A lot of people have already given them that uh, as a foregone conclusion. You know, it's can you close the gap to Alabama because of quarterback play? And that, that's just where the game's going right now. Georgia's lagged behind there in the last few years. Can JT Daniels be that difference maker? With a lot of playmakers there on the offensive side of the ball, replacing a lot of defenders as well. But, yeah, Missouri and Kentucky, I, st- I still have them behind Florida. Uh, I think Florida still has a talent advantage. I think Florida still has a coaching advantage over those two teams right now. I do like Connor Bazelak. Now he threw four touchdowns, I think, versus LSU last year. I think the stat I saw there was he only threw three the rest of the year, though. So what steps does he take uh, for, for the Missouri offense uh, in, in building uh, in, in Drinkwitz's uh, second year there? Uh, but their defense, I mean, toward the end of the last year, really struggled too. 49 – oh, man, I, I took a whole lot of notes on Missouri trying to get ready for SEC media days. I think they allowed – like almost 49 points a game or something like that the last three games of the year, over seven yards of play. So they really, really got to fix that, fix that defensive side of the ball uh, there. And then they made some changes on that side of the ball in the coaching staff as well. Kentucky, I mean, we've heard the last couple of years after 2018 that they were supposed to be, be able to build on 2018 and, and, you know, maybe be that 2018 team from here on out. Well, they, they haven't really lived up after 2018 uh, in 2019 and 2020. You know, there was high expectations for that team last year, especially with Terry Wilson coming back. Now Eddie Grand's gone. They're, they're rebuilding that offense. Yeah, I, I think it is Levis's job to transfer from Penn State uh, eventually. He's probably going to get the job there with, with Cohen. And he was, I think that they had a connection back in, in high school recruiting um, there. So uh, he was kind of, he's probably going to be kind of handpicked for this offense. I think uh, pretty much a foregone conclusion that he's going to be the guy in a new offense there. But, you know, Kentucky's to me has recruited to a certain style, recruiting to a certain style of smash mouth football on the offensive side of the ball. So how quickly can they flip the script to a more open offense? I think that's the question I have for them on the offensive side of the ball. 
whenever whenever you're kind of or whenever you're looking at, at Georgia, I know, well, certainly they're they're going to be a team uh, this year that that have high hopes to to maybe unseat uh, Alabama. Kirby Smart, I know he's looking to be the the first assistant to to knock off Nick Saban, but but kind of looking at, at their offense, and of course they lost. George Pickens to add Eric Gilbert from the transfer portal. But but when you kind of look at at way Kirby's Kirby hadn't really evolved on this offense much the last last couple of years, do you think they finally uh finally open up the offense this year with, with Todd Monk and with the returning quarterback of JT Daniels? Because you know, Georgia finally, you know, possibly being willing to to open that offense back up. But the past few years, Kirby really hadn't involved is still heavy run game, heavy heavy play action games. Do you think with the, with the returning quarterback with Todd Munkin, do you think they open actually do open up the offense a little bit more? I mean, that's the thing about Nick Saban assistance that surprised me. You, you wanted to follow his model early in your career, which was a, you know, build on a tough run game and, and build your offense that way. Well, Nick Saban's changed. And for whatever reason, I can't figure out why his assistant, especially somebody like Will Muschamp, uh, who just refused to pretty much change offense, so had to have his fingers in his offense, and pretty much why he doesn't have a job at South Carolina any longer. And, you know, Kirby Smart's just been a much better version of Will Muschamp there. And he wins a lot of games, uh, but as you said, he just kind of you know, – that, that offense hasn't come around. And this year it's going to have to. Uh, so, you know, can you learn from the best? Can you learn from your mentor who's basically changed the way he coaches college football? And that's what Nick Saban has done uh, there. So, yeah, I think Georgia fans you know, need to hope that uh, Kirby Smart has realized that and that he does have a, you know, a really good offensive coordinator and a, and, a, and a quarterback that has a whole lot of potential uh, based off of those last four games last year in, in building an offense. you got playmakers at wide receiver, even though Pickens is out, you know, Curious Jackson, Jermaine Burton bring a whole lot to the table. James Cook can be an X factor in that offense as a versatile playmaker at the backfield as well. The weapons are there for Georgia. You know, their offensive line probably hasn't lived up to the recruiting reputation that they have. They've recruited really well in the offensive line, but they necessarily haven't lived up to that lofty expectation. They haven't been bad. But when you recruit that well in the offensive line, I think people probably have expected a little bit more uh, there from that offensive line. So, yeah, this is the year you have the talent, you have the quarterback, and Kirby Smart's going to have to unleash the offense if Georgia's going to win the SEC and make a college football playoff appearance. Yeah, that's, that's really been one of the most surprising things to me that as much as, as Nick Saban's evolved, like you hit on, and that was what makes him the, the best coach in the game, and he can really – he he's evolved so many changes to the game over the past over the past ten years. Is is his assistants like Kirby Smart hadn't hadn't done the same. They hadn't hadn't followed the hadn't followed the leader, uh, so to speak. But but Dave, thanks so much for for coming on today. I know you're you're getting ready for for SEC Media Days. I know you're going to be there. So tell everybody where they can find you uh, on social media, where they can find all uh, your content, uh, Gators Breakdown, where they can find the podcast. Because listen all the time. You do a heck of a job, my friend. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, at Gator Dave underscore SEC on Twitter. You can find Gators Breakdown YouTube version, the video version uh, lives there on YouTube and every major podcast platform uh, out there as well. And we'll have uh, definitely a whole lot of like, Gator coverage next week from Birmingham at SEC Media Days. There's no doubt about that. And Dave, hope you stay safe. Have a, have a safe trip uh, to Birmingham for SEC Media Days. And we'll look forward to catching up with you hopefully before the season starts. All right. Thank you much, man. Well, thanks so much today for coming on today. And thank you for watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays today. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. It's been another edition of Crunch Time Plays. God bless everybody.